You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Have you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters, bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Well, hello there, Habs fans. Welcome to this week's episode of the Press Zone Montreal. That's episode 216, if you're keeping track. Uh, Right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media, we're a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network. And a big thanks and shout out to our sponsor, DraftKings. You're going to hear a little bit from DraftKings with a special offer for you later on in the show. But thanks for their sponsorship. Uh, We are so glad you're here today. We have a jam-packed show for you today that you aren't going to want to miss. Lots of Canadians news. But before we can get there, we have to start by saying hello ourselves. I am your host, Amy Johnson, the lead correspondent at the AHL Report, and I'm joined each and every week by our uh, tremendous president and founder, our fearless leader, our editor-in-chief, uh, you know, the king of the castle, whatever the title is he's going with today, they all apply. And that would be the one and only Rick Stevens. How are you today? Well, uh, one title I don't have today is golfer extraordinaire because I'm not at the Canadians golf tournament. I'm uh, instead here with you on the press zone. Priorities. Mm-hmm. Priorities is important. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, Rick, it's been a busy week. Very busy week. Uh, rookie camp, you know, you think you're just going to kind of slide casually into rookie camp and then it's like, oh my God, no, there's media availabilities every day and there's games and there's, ah, it's like hockey started or something. Saw a tweet, nothing really happens at rookie camp, so why do you follow it? I saw uh-huh. someone else comment to us, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, the rookie game was boring. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sorry, the rookie game is not there to entertain you. It's for evaluation, but okay, thanks for playing along. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Well, we do have uh, lots for you today. Um, and some really, I, I mean, we've got, you want it, we've got it in today's show. It's a, it's a little bit of everything. In our first, in our first segment, we're, of course, we're going to talk about uh, rookie camp for the Canadians. Uh, it's wrapping up uh, as as the guys are starting to arrive for actual training camp. But rookie camp itself, uh, the Rocket Sports team was full blast coverage from start to finish. We were on every media call. Our own Chris G was in Ottawa in the press box for the first rookie game that was held at the Canadian Tire Center. And uh, I then covered the second rookie game, the rematch that was held in Brassard on Monday. Um, 
So we're going to break all of that down for you. We're going to tell you how the rookie games both went. Uh, we're going to bring you a lot of audio from this past week from uh, Coach J.F. Uhl, from Caden Gooley, from Matthias Norlander, from Jan Meshack, from Raphael Harvey-Pernard. We've got lots of audio, um, and we're just going to kind of give you a, a really broad view and scope of what these prospects did this past week. Uh, and then we're going to give you a little print preview on training camp because uh there's no time to take a breath in between uh in the second segment then we go around the ahl two very very can't miss things happening in the second episode first our dear friend patrick williams is back for another episode for another edition i should say of the ahl hot stove uh this week we're going to talk about really what lineups in the ahl could potentially look like this year you know we've been going under the the assumption that things are quote unquote back to normal this year, but it's very apparent. It's starting to be very apparent that that might not be the case. So we're going to dive into that topic and kind of explore some of the ways that there might be some hiccups for lineups along the way. Um, and then before we send you on the way on your way today, we've got a very unique feel good finale. Uh, let's just say I'm going to. It's uh, you know who doesn't love ice cream, Rick. Uh, uh, nobody I know. That's right. Um, but do you like ice cream that's flavored like Kraft Dinner? Well, I... <laughs> <laughs> I Who knows? I, 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 I don't know about that. Who knows? It, and fortunately, I don't, have to, I don't have to answer that question. But I do. Uh, and I am going to taste test a very limited edition of a very fancy schmancy uh, French ice cream company. Uh, who has an official craft? It's you know it's a it's a in partnership with Kraft. Uh, it's a Kraft mac and cheese flavored ice cream, and I am going to be brave and taste test it for all of you today on the show. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> Thanks. So and listen, much. this is one time I know that that in the states the, there uh-huh. are different kinds of snacks that you can't get in Canada, yeah. and and vice versa. Yeah. Um, there are things we have here that uh, you can't get there. And on this occasion, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm satisfied that we have zesty cheese Doritos and you have uh, Katie ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to make I, you I think live to fine. regret that statement, I think. <laughs> we'll see. The, you know, the reports are that it's actually quite tasty. I have no idea what to expect. I really don't. Um, but. We're, I'm going to try it live on the air here today. You're all going to hear it. I'm going to give you my honest reaction. We'll see if Rick has to take over for the rest of the show after that, if I am running off to the washroom. But uh, no, all kidding aside, uh, stay tuned for that. You can't miss that. That's coming up later on the show. So, and the folks at Kraft are quite interested in this. The, the folks at Kraft were tweeted. I, 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 when I finally I managed to get my hands on a pint of this stuff, it it sold out in 12 minutes in the first round that it went uh, out to the public back in July. So they just put out another small batch of it, and I managed to get my hands on a pint of it. And so I tweeted about it last week, and I said, what do you think? Do I try this on the air on the press zone next week? And the Kraft Mac and Cheese people were right in there on Twitter saying, yep, yep, you definitely should be doing that. Yep. And I mean, they like every single tweet that I said. They're, uh, they're apparently very excited that someone's trying this ice cream. Mm. So, I mean, if they you wanted, like it. if they wanted to um, show their Spons- appreciation yeah. for it and just send me like a lifetime supply of KD, I'm, you oh, know. See, I was thinking sponsor the podcast, but okay, Pri- you're, you're I'll thinking. I'll say priorities <laughs> once <see>. again. <laughs> 
Uh, all right. So we will have some fun with that at the end of the show. You don't want to miss that. But first, let's talk about rookie camp, Rick. Um, this is a, you know, rookie camp to me is always um, training camp has its own excitement because you're really starting to, to look at what shape uh, the NHL roster is going to take. Rookie camp, I find to be exciting in a completely different way just because a lot of times you're getting your first look at some of the newest, most recent draftees and what they can do on the ice. Um, you're seeing uh, young kids put on the Canadian sweater for the very first time. And there's something very special about that experience and, and the looks on their face and the smiles on their face. Um, but it's also very competitive. And boy, let me tell you, this roster this week has uh, has not shied away from the competitiveness. Um, they particularly showed that in the first game that they played um in Ottawa on on Saturday, and even J.F. Uhl, after the very first day of on-ice um, drills last Thursday, said, you know, we're going to hear from him here in a little bit about uh, how he thought um, he thought they were going to have to to pull in the reins and tell the tell the guys to to slow the pace down because he was so he was so surprised at just how how absolutely rambunctious they were right out of the gate. So it's pretty promising. Well, and, and uh, yeah, the player like Caden Gooley saying, you know, got a little spicy out there and, and, uh, and, and we like it. Um, yeah. So against the two games against the Ottawa Senators rookies and uh, it, both contests were rather spirited, uh, oh, rather yeah. physical, uh, some uh, action <laughs> behind uh, after the whistle. And, and uh, yeah, it was it was. It was a competitive camp as it, as it should be. It was. Uh, now, the Canadians did drop both games against the Senators. Uh, to their credit, the Senators' prospects looked uh, a little more of a cohesive unit than the Canadians' prospects did. Um, the Habs made a good go of it on Saturday night. Uh, they they didn't show up in, in Monday's game until probably... A, uh, like the third period, really the second half of the game, last half of the game. Um, but as Rick said, it was, it was physical, both, both nights, very physical, lots of scrums after the whistle, lots of chirping in the penalty boxes. Um, Arbor Chakai, uh, got in a huge fight with captain, uh, Mark Kastelik for Ottawa after, um, Chakai, Put a hit on Angus Crookshank, and actually, uh, unfortunately, uh, Crookshank went awkwardly into the boards, had to be helped off the ice by two of his teammates, couldn't put any weight on his left leg. Uh, and after the game, uh, Troy Mann uh, mentioned that uh, he, he obviously tests would need to be done, but that it looked to be a serious injury. He could be out for a while. So that's unfortunate. We don't like we don't ever like to see that, uh, especially in a rookie camp. But Rick, the best place for people to catch up on all of the actual details of what happened in those games uh, would be to head over to the AHLReport.com website. Mm -hmm. That's uh, where you should go. That's where you should go. Uh, Chris G., as we said, he was in Ottawa in the press box on Saturday, so he's got a recap, full recap of what happened in Saturday's game on, on the AHL Report website. I then covered the Monday game uh, in that was held in Broussard. So head over there uh, to, to check out exactly you know who scored goals and and who looked good and who looked uh, a little looked like they were struggling a little bit um, we are going to talk about some of the big names here and we're going to take you through some audio uh from all of them as well um 
I should say before we before we get into how certain guys performed, you know, Rick, one of our favorite newer players uh, who got to play with Laval last year uh, due to the pandemic was Jan Meshack. Um, but not just because Jan Meshack looks to be a very promising young forward, which he does, and and we're going to talk a little bit about how he's uh, he looks like he's done the work this summer and and definitely came to camp ready to go uh, but also just his personality and and the way he speaks during media interviews he's very matter of fact <laughs> he's just very matter of fact and and it's always very endearing all business and and uh, yeah Listen, uh, there's a question mark with respect to Jan Mishak. Uh He may be, we don't know for sure, but he may be eligible with those adjusted CHL, uh, NHL rules. Uh, he may be eligible to play uh, in Laval this year, having played 22 games there last year. Um, uh, when the Canadians been asked, they've been kind of... the non-committal but leaning towards sending him to the Hamilton Bulldogs but um he's he's answered every question uh on the ice uh, at camp so far uh and uh, looks to be making a case to stay in Laval. He's been very strong on the puck. He's out there directing his teammates on every single shift, uh dominating the faceoff dot. He's been called upon uh to take uh faceoffs at all sorts of different important moments during during both of the games and and was winning a lot of his faceoffs. Um but in Saturday's game, he did uh he also scored a goal as he was being hit and falling to the ice. He let one rip from the high slot that found the back of the net. Uh, it was a very, it was pretty exciting goal to watch. Uh, when he was asked afterwards to describe his goal, sounded like this. So uh, it was a good, good, good PP goal. Um, Josh Roy told me. We just told uh, he told me on on a bench that we'll do this. Uh, I agreed, so uh, he passed me the puck real well, and uh, I scored a goal. <laughs> you know, there's a little negotiation on the bench. We planned it out. He passed it to me. <laughs> he told I me. I shot it, and and we scored a goal. What what else is there to describe? I adore this kid. I really, uh, yeah, Joshua, he, he told me on the bench, this is what we're going to do. And so I, I agreed, and um, and then he passed me the puck, and I shot it. Important part is that <laughs> that he that was a power play goal. Yeah. Uh, there was also, he was involved uh, in uh, Monday's game, on a power play goal, uh, it was uh, Joshua Waugh, cross-ice pass, one-timer, mm-hmm. Raphael Harvey Bernard. The, the player that made that play was Jan Mishak because he uh, tied up the defenseman in front and gave that lane uh, to Harvey Bernard. Mm-hmm. Um, tremendous. Uh, but he's also, as you said, he's uh, taking defensive zone face-offs. He's uh, playing on the penalty kill. Um, a very, very defensively responsible player. So getting all kinds of opportunities and uh, really uh, looking very good in in uh, in camp, very consistently good uh, shift to shift, which we've noticed. I mean, and and that's uh, that's normal in a rookie camp. Um, you know, many of these these guys are are in uh, game action, uh, much playing uh, much at a much quicker pace than they're used to. Um, and so they have flashes. Uh, they have some bad plays. That hasn't been the case for Jan Mishak. Uh, very reliable, very consistent. And always a good soundbite. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's just great. Uh, we are going to come back to him in, in just a moment, but I'm just turning to uh, one of the other guys that you just mentioned. Um, actually, the the line that played, the top line that played for, for those two games was uh, Jan Meshach centering Raphael, Harvey Pernard, and Joshua Waugh. And the three of them actually did look pretty decent together. Um of course, Raphael Harvey-Pinard uh, was a very popular fan favorite uh, last season in Laval. Uh, he is just, if ever there is a player who fits the the popular phrase, a little spark plug, that's Harvey-Pinard. He's full of energy. He works very hard. There's a lot of areas of his game that still need finessing, still need work, still need development. But he certainly, uh, as as uh, as plenty of folks have have pointed out, his work ethic is is very good. Um, and and he and Joshua Waugh, both uh, decent wingers for Jan Mishak. The three of them created a, a lot of chances. Um, and in fact, Rob Ramage, when he was asked at the beginning of rookie camp last week was asked about Harvey Pinard. Um, and Ramage said, I, you know, I just saw him at breakfast this morning and I told him you've got a lot of heart. And so when I had the opportunity to speak with Raphael, I, I said, this is what Rob, Rob Ramage told us that he told you that you have a lot of heart and coming from the Canadians director of player development, what does that mean for you to hear him say that to you? It means a lot. Uh, it's nice to hear things like that. Uh, it's part of my identity to work hard. So I, I want to, to keep doing it in the professional. And uh, it's, it's always nice to have good comments like that. And it just like, pushed me to, uh, to continue that, that way. Having heart, and and it's it's accurate. Robert Robert Ramage uh, is very plain spoken, very honest. Uh, didn't compliment him on 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 talent characteristics, but on his heart because um, he does have an excellent work uh, work ethic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he works very hard on the ice. Uh, he 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 is always involved. Um, the comparisons to Brendan Gallagher are are quite generous to Raphael Harvey Pinard. Uh, doesn't doesn't have the talent, doesn't have the skill, doesn't have the skating at this point uh, as a uh, Brendan Gallagher. And and whether he'll get to the NHL or not, that's uh, I think he'd be considered a bit of a long shot. But uh, but the heart is there for sure, um, and uh, and the work ethic is there, and and uh, so he is. He's been rewarded in camp um, uh, by J.F. Wool with, uh, with wearing the C for the rookie camp. Uh, he has, uh, and apparently he's he's taking that very seriously as well. He mentioned to the media that, uh, you know, it, it means a lot to him and that he's he's really trying to make it a focus to, to be a good role model for the younger first-time players who are there, uh, particularly many of the Francophone players who are there for the first time have mentioned that they're they're watching how hard he works on and off the ice and how he conducts himself and that they feel that he's a good uh, role model for them. So, um, you know, Raphael Harvey-Pernard had had an exciting season in Laval last year. I think he'll probably, uh, you know, be an exciting one to watch again this year. And we'll see how much uh, improvement in areas of his game he's able to also incorporate into the coming season. The other 
portion of that top trio was Joshua Waugh. And uh, of course, uh, he's this is is one of the first times that he's in a situation like this in the rookie camp. And he also, um, you know, he had had some big moments uh, throughout uh, both games this weekend. Um, But really, uh, when when speaking with him uh, after the game on Monday, um, really feels that the biggest thing that he's taking away from from the camp, he says, is just being able to soak everything in that he's seeing around him. Well, I just see how it works as a pro. Uh, there's a couple of pro here, so you just see how they work and how they are sharp everywhere outside the ice and in on the ice. So it's just, I think it's good for us like to take notes and just model with them. It's just very good. He's um, he's he's taking notes. He worked very hard in the summer. He knows that. Uh, to get to the next level, he's going to have to be quicker. Skating is an issue uh, for him um, and was noted by the scouts uh, during the draft that, that skating is an issue. Uh, one of the ways that he was is working on being quicker, he said uh, he lost uh, some weight uh, over the summer um, and, uh, and hopefully converted some of that to, to muscle. And so, um, he's, he's trying to, he's, he's certainly skilled. He's, he's a good playmaker. Um, and he's going to work, um, in, in his upcoming, uh, season at, uh, at just, uh, being quicker, being quicker, both physically and, and making decisions more quickly. Absolutely. Um, if it wasn't that theme that we were hearing a lot from the prospects this week and that, that theme being uh, watching all of the pros that are around them, whether it's guys who already have AHL experience like Raphael Harvey Pinard or the actual pro players in the NHL, like Carrie Price and, and uh, NHLers who were trickling into Broussard a little early to start getting on the ice before training camp. Uh, so that was one theme that always hearing a lot of, we're watching all of these pros. We're soaking it all in. We're trying to pick up the good habits from them. The other side of it was the theme of something I mentioned at the top of the segment, and that was for many of these players, it's the first time that they've worn the CH. Uh, Jan Mishak is one of them, even though he did wear a version of the CH last year playing for Laval. He wore it on his shoulder. Um, it's the first time that he's been to a Canadian's uh, rookie camp, and uh, he certainly is uh, soaking in that experience. I felt I felt so excited, you know. So uh, I got my I got the Montreal Canadiens jersey on my on my body for the first time, so it was uh, so exciting. But uh, unfortunately, we didn't win, so um, ran out a bit bad feeling. But uh, before the game, I felt I felt really good. Uh, we had a two good practices on the ice, so I felt good. I like how he explains, uh, you know, I may not be as excited uh, as I was before the game um, (laughs) (laughs) because we didn't win. Uh, Always a team guy. Uh Um, But uh, yeah, he's 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 very likable. Uh, We remember that uh, he 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 shows initiative. Uh, He's the guy that uh, reached out to a, a friend of his mom's to. Uh, who he knew spoke French to to learn some uh, a little bit of French before he came. He's the one that reached out to Thomas Pukanitz and and uh, asked about uh, you know what to expect uh, when he came to Montreal. 
Um, he's he's a, a, a smart, thoughtful player, um, and he's going to be an interesting guy to watch. Now, another interesting guy to watch. Um, let, let me ask, let me just allow me to be slightly cynical for a moment, but let me just ask you a question, Rick. All right. If there was a prospect, now, now think about this in the realm of the Montreal media machine. If there was a prospect who was taken like in the in the mid 60s in the draft like something i don't know something like 63rd overall or something like that that's that's a pretty decent placing in the draft right second round pick for sure okay um and if that player was a player who plays in the queue that combination of two things would probably make that prospect pretty um pretty attractive to to most members of the Montreal media and would probably generate some excitement, right? Definitely. I'm going to, this is, I'm going to get on a brief soapbox and say that I am disappointed that that was not the case for this next young prospect. And I'm not going to speculate as to why. I'm just presenting the facts as it is. Those are the facts. Uh, Riley Kidney was selected this year at the draft uh, in second round, Correct. That's I yeah. That's what we said. Yeah, second rounder, um, and he plays for Acadie Bathurst in the QMJHL. The Teton, yeah. Um, and there hasn't been any shortage of all sorts of media in each of these media calls this week. And I, I, I'm just going to state the fact that when Riley Kidney uh, took the microphone for media availability this week, myself and Arpin Basu were the only two people to ask him any questions. That's sad. And um, I just found that that's, odd. That's very sad because he was, and and certainly around the league um, during the draft, uh, you know, I don't like the term uh, getting a steal or, or in, in the draft, but um, the Canadians were thought to have gotten very good value uh, when they picked up Riley Kidney in the second round. And if you watched him at all in both games this weekend, you can see why. Uh, short heat. There were plenty of mistakes. Everyone on the ice made mistakes. It's a, it's a rookie camp. These guys are young. Um, but Kidney showed some promise. He's his positioning was good at times. He showed high. He showed good hockey IQ. Um, and as I said, and and he's a delightful young man. As you're as you're going to hear, we have two clips from him coming up. Um, he's a delightful young man. Um, and I was just I, I was I was. Honestly, I was surprised that no one, not two people, myself included, um, had any questions for him. And this was the very first time he had been made available to the media. It's not like he had been talking to the media three or four days. This was the first time. So, um, What what did you say his last name was? Kidney. I see. Okay. Am I supposed to? No, no, no. We're we're not assuming motives or anything. No. Right. No. Okay. Well. Um, first let's, you know, in terms of Riley Kidney, he's certain, whether anyone, and I'm not speculating as to whether or not people are excited about Riley Kidney or not, but let me tell you, Riley Kidney is excited to be part of the Montreal Canadiens, and he's excited to play in the queue again this year. We're going to first start with uh, just a clip kind of going off of what Jan Meshack just said. Riley Kidney was taught, wanted to talk about, um, what it was like coming and and being a part of a Montreal Canadiens rookie camp. 
Um, yeah, it's a great experience. Um, it feels really, really special, really cool to wear like Montreal Canadiens uh, jersey and just walk around with all like the t-shirts and everything. <laughs> um, it's, I learned a lot from this weekend. Um, I learned how, how like what I need to improve to like to play in the next level, like just the speed, uh, get like a lot stronger. Um, so yeah, I learned a lot on the ice um, that I'm going to take back to Bathurst and try to work on. And even off the ice, I learned uh, a bunch of new stuff. And uh, yeah, just I'm just like I re- it's really exciting. It's kind of kind of kind of like a dream come true being here and uh, wearing the jersey. So uh, yeah, I learned a lot, and uh, it's really exciting. What a great quote. And, yeah. and uh, you know, often media are talking about uh, players who, who really get it, who really appreciate uh, the experience. And, um, you know, he talked about uh, how special it is to, to wear the jersey, but also all of the other stuff that you, you get as well that, right. that says <laughs> Montreal Canadiens on it. Uh, and, and he uh, certainly appreciates that. Listen, Riley Kidney, um, he, he's going to be, uh, he, he's going to take time. Uh, he's going to be a bit of a project. Uh, needs to, needs to um, grow into his, his, his frame. He needs to um, uh, improve his skating. Uh, but he's described by scouts that, that, uh, that we respect as, uh, one of the smartest players in the queue, um, uh, that, uh, and, and, and that, that means the, the, the on ice intelligence, he's able to read plays. He's able to, to figure things out. He's able to, um, um, make adjustments and, and, and in that way, uh, he's a, he's a very adept, um, uh, playmaker and, and, uh, um, you know, as, as far as points, the, the other part of it is, is kind of a, an, an overall player cause he's, he's good on the defensive side too. So, um, not, maybe not the guy, uh, at least in his early, um, uh, career so far in the queue has, uh, not the guy that that's sees a lot of power play time, but he's the guy that's going to get you even strength points. Uh, he's the guy that's going to get you a primary assist rather than being on the ice during a power play for a secondary assist. So uh, his his points, uh, look at his stats. His points are earned. And I and I certainly hope that people get excited about him because I think you know he's a second round draft pick and he's got, he's got a great attitude. He's excited to be here. Uh, and hopefully that catches on a little bit. Particularly, I, I I then asked him, okay, aside from just working on your general development and game this year, what are your goals for this season? Uh, you know, going ba- going back to Bathurst, and he did not flinch. He he knows exactly what he's set out to do this year. Um, I'm hoping to be like a key player um, on my Bathurst team this year. Um, we're gonna be one of the top teams uh, in the league and in, in, in our division. Um, I believe. So I'd like to be like a key guy, um, play every, every position, every role, um, and just be like a guy that other teams need, need, like, need to look out for. He, he knows, he knows what he is. He knows mm-hmm. what, what kind of team he's on and he's right. Uh, they are uh, one of the top teams in their division. Um, you know, he's, he's also talked about uh, the, the way he models his play, uh, he, he admires Mitch Marner. He, he watches, uh, Nick Suzuki and would like to become a player like him. Um, Cam and, Hillis. And, and, and he mentioned, yeah, Cam Hillis as well. So, uh, he's, he's, he's very smart. He's, uh, he thinks the game well, 
and uh, and and let's watch and see what he does this uh, this year in the queue. Absolutely, I think he is certainly one to keep an eye on. I think he's going to do some good things. Uh, switching gears now to the goaltenders. Um, if you're a, uh, a longtime listener, uh, then or or were listening over the summer to our podcast, you'll know that uh, seventh round draft pick this year for the Canadians was goaltender Joe Verbetic. Uh, he's a goaltender for the North Bay Battalion in the OHL, meaning he did not play last year um, because of the OHL COVID. Uh, shutdown. Um, and earlier this summer, uh, just a couple of weeks after the draft, uh, we were delightfully joined here on the show by uh, Joe Verbetic's mom, Janelle, and his stepdad, Norm, to talk about what it was like uh, going through kind of a virtual draft experience, but the excitement of draft day and waiting and waiting and waiting, and you're all right, you're way towards the end of the set of the seventh round. Uh, and then you finally hear Joe's name called. It was a delightful um, uh, interview. We certainly invite you to head over to the pressone.fm and scroll back in the archives. It was in the beginning of August uh, to check out that interview with Joe Verbetic's parents. Um, in fact, we interacted with them a little bit on Twitter this weekend, uh, wondering, you know, they must be very proud seeing him out there uh, wearing a, a, the the CH jersey, and they both they both responded saying it's just it's a dream come true, and and that they're just couldn't be more proud of him. Uh, so we asked uh, JF Uhl, uh, you know, granted it's a small sample size, but just his first impressions of Joe Verbetic in the crease. No, I think he's he's done real well. I mean, that's both practice have had a lot of shots and. And uh, it's it's not easy for goalies to step right in and uh, you know face some uh, one on O's and two on O's and three on O's. But uh, you know they've done both goalies have done well so far. Joe, Joe's a, a draft pick. I like his size. I like uh, you know we we uh, we worked on the playing the puck a little bit today. You know those are always things that young goalies always need to uh, to improve and work on. And uh, but he's got he's got good size and he reads the play uh, fairly well. Um, you know, it'll be nice to see him in the, in the game coming up. And in that game uh, uh, that he was talking about, Joe Verbetic was very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Verbetic, uh, as as uh, Coach Jules said, uh, it's tough. Uh, it's tough when you're out of game action for so long and you're you're only uh, working off ice. Um, and uh, or or primarily working off ice, let's say, and, and not working in game action when you get on the ice. Um, so it's 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 tough for a goaltender. But he his positioning was good. He was square to the shooter on most cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, his 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 movements were were pretty compact. Uh, and uh, I I thought he one thing that helps him. I think his size. He's six six. Uh, but his his so he covers a lot of the net. But um, he's, he's, he's a good athlete, so he moves well, uh, but not overly so. And, and, uh, I thought he had a, a, a very good outing. He'll get the start again, uh, uh, today against the, uh, the U sport, uh, team. And, um, I, I, th- I thought he would, he, for his first action in so very long, I, I thought he was, uh, very good. Absolutely. I certainly agree with you uh, with everything you said there. And I and I hope he hope he's looking forward to to having a a regular season in the OHL with with North Bay this year. 
Now, the the player who was kind of on everyone's radar for this camp, of course, was all eyes on Matthias Norlander. Uh, if you tuned in to Saturday's episode of the Canadians Connection podcast, I had the opportunity to guest host this past week's episode with Rick. Uh, and we had a ton of audio, Rick, on that show uh, about the first couple of days of of rookie camp. And we talked and heard from from J.F. Uhl and from Matthias Norlander about just uh, what he's expecting for this year. Of course, it's that he's there to make the team and that's full stop. <laughs> that's about where it starts and where it stops for him. But also, um, you know, was asked what he was anticipating. This camp is the first time that he's playing on the smaller North American ice in his entire career. So, you know, he was aware that he needed to be anticipating a difference and, and expected some adjustments. Um, but honestly, uh, in both games, it was, it was apparent that the adjustment is going to take some time. Am I, is that, is that That's fair correct. to say? Yeah. Um, the, the pure skill undoubtedly is there. He's got quite a shot. In fact, uh, you know, he, he took a, he took a shot and just picked the top corner, um, off of a, a um, Shane Pinto giveaway. Shane Pinto giveaway. Yeah, yeah. Um, his shot is there. Uh, the skating's there. His uh, it, all of the key components are there. But um, away from the puck, things thing there's going to need to be an adjustment period. I think. Um, and so when he when uh, JF Uhl was asked about. Norlander's progression and 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 how things will go. This is what he would have to say. Norlander was uh, it was good. I mean, he he shows he scored a goal and he he shows a lot of uh, poise with the puck offensively. I think defensively he needs to improve a little bit on his uh, urgency to uh, to win battles. But uh, you know that will come. That's something that's uh, we're going to work with them continuously uh, about winning uh, battles in uh, D zone coverage. But uh, he's for sure offensively one of our uh, gifted uh, defense. And that's all that is is very fair. Um, if you're watching, I, I know there was a lot of, of folks that were really wanting to see Norlander uh, shine in rookie camp, go and into um, into the the main training camp, Canadians training camp, and and just blow everybody away and. Uh, earn a spot on the roster um, because the Canadians lack uh, a true puck moving uh, other than Jeff Petrie, a, a true uh, off, offensive minded puck moving defenseman. And, and you can see that Norlander has those traits, smooth skater, uh, just uh, lots of offensive skill. Um, and, and, and once he gets into the offensive zone, he has a, a nose for the net. Um, but defensively, um, it was, it was a bit of a train wreck in, in the first game, a little bit better in the second game, but in his own end, um, you know, he's not able to win battles along the boards. He's not able to handle the physicality in front of the net. Uh, he's not using his stick very well, um, to separate the puck from, from, um, from the, the, the forwards and, and, uh, his defensive play is uh is really what's going to hold him back and and that's fine that's that's okay he can go He's and young. spend a, another year uh back in Europe and and with Frolunda and and uh and working on on that game 
but uh, his his offensive talent is there, and um, and once he's ready to to progress. Uh, he'll be quite an asset for the Canadians. He absolutely will. He will be an exciting defenseman to watch, but I agree uh, with Rick. I I think that he will likely be best served by returning to Sweden uh, and playing another full year with Frölunda. And then I think this time next year, we're going to be singing quite a different tune uh, regarding Matthias Norlander. I think that that this experience will be an eye-opener for him this week. Um, and, and hopefully he takes that to heart and, and is able to, to really work on those things so that he's ready to go for next year. Um, now, interestingly enough, the player who then it, it's like things were backwards on social media this weekend. Um, people wanted to be very hyped about Norlander, understandably so. And as such, kind of gave him a little more credit than maybe he was uh, objectively due out of these two games. Uh, And the player who actually deserved a fair bit of credit for some pretty impressive play uh, was was cast as someone who, who, I don't know, should go play in the ECHL or something. Uh, Caden Gooley... uh, was impressive, in my opinion, this weekend. Um, Caden Gooley, remember, played a few games in Laval last year, and then when uh, the Prince Albert Raiders did return to play, uh, when the WHL returned to play, he went back to Prince Albert, where he was captain. Uh, Only was able to play in a couple of games, however, before he seriously injured his hand and missed the rest of the season. So after rehabbing from that injury... This is his first meaningful hockey that he's now playing. And Rick, I think right out of the gate, I think uh I think he looked pretty decent. He looked he looked very good. And 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 yes, um, you know, Norlander, we were talking about all the on the Canadians connection, we were talking about the advantages that he has because uh, played last year. He's he's already been a f- through a full training camp with uh, Frölunda. He's played their exhibition schedule. He's played a couple of regular season games. Um, whereas Gooley, um, he, he hasn't played in a long time. And last season, he played five games. He mm-hmm. played three games with the Laval Rocket and two games with Prince Prince Albert before he suffered that hand injury uh, and out for the rest of the season. But yet. Uh, it looked like he had been. Uh, he he really played well. He on on both ends. Um, he was skating much better uh, and than than I expected. Uh, he was a force in his own end, uh, separating people from the puck, playing very physically, um, blocking shots, uh, and and even and and I, uh, through all of it. Uh, looking very calm, um, mm-hmm. not panicking uh, when he was handling the puck, when he was, uh, you know, on the power play in the offensive zone, the way he uh, smartly, um, you know, quarterbacked the, the power play and and uh, and fed the puck and and managed the uh, keeping the puck in at the blue line. I thought he was uh, he was much better than advertised and and uh, and looked very very good. 
I certainly agree with you. And uh, to his credit, head coach J.F. Uhl, you know, particularly in the in the Monday game, uh, struggles happened across the board. So not everyone was getting glowing remarks uh, 100%, but that's to be expected in a rookie camp. But overall, uh, the coach had, had some really positive feedback about this young defenseman. Well, he was good. I, you know, he can skate. He's, he's a really... Uh... Uh, good skater. You, you could tell when he carries the puck a couple times, he rushed the puck up uh, up the ice and uh, did so, some good things. Um, a couple good shots. Uh, f- for us, it's pretty much we have to work on our, uh, you know, on our regroups and stuff like that. That's where it was a little sloppy for, for all the D. And uh, our forwards need to, you know, to, to show a target and do better uh, regroups. But in, uh, all in all, I thought Gouli had a pretty good game. Yeah, I, I thought he did too. And and the coach identified that uh, they looked a little sloppy and disjointed uh, when regrouping. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I mentioned in the first game, uh, William Trudeau had uh, had a tough, tough game and, and wasn't positioning himself to be a good target for his defense partner. Uh, that happened to to all of the defense and, and the forwards as well. Um, so it was just, and, and we should mention, uh, I guess uh, that this is a, a training camp um, as well for the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jean-Francois Wool has never um, uh, been a head coach at this level before. Um, you know, he's up against uh, in, in these games up against Troy Mann, certainly one of the best coaches in the AHL. And, and so maybe that's why there was a little bit more uh, cohesion and, and, uh, and systems on the other side. Um, but this coaching staff is is working through some some kinks too. Martin Laperriere La and Kelly Buckberger, and and the only uh, anchor there is is Marco Marciano, uh, who's been there for quite some time. Some time the goalie coach. Uh, so this is um, uh, I getting back to to Gouli, I I was uh, really pleasantly surprised. Um, the, the, the game two wasn't quite as, as smooth, uh, obviously with, uh, 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 Ottawa going up for nothing after 40 minutes, uh, there was lots of mistakes, uh, to go around, uh, for all the team. But, uh, I thought uh, out of all the defensemen, he was far and, 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 and away the, the best defenseman, most consistent and, uh, and at times the best player on the ice. And to his credit, he is uh, seems to be pretty uh, adept at identifying that there are things that need to be worked on. Um, and and he was asked by by another member of the media, you know, it, when things do look a little rough, like they did in the first half of that game, or things just aren't going your way, uh, you know, how hard is it to get back in the game? And and this is how Gooley responded: Talky sometimes just things don't work out, and. Um some mistakes happen. So, um, you know, it's, it just, I mean, it's hockey, not everything's going to be perfect. And, um, it's just how, how you bounce back and respond. So, um, again, it's, it's, it's tough sometimes. And, um, but yeah, just how you respond to it. And you feel that's what you did in in third period, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I felt, I felt like my third period was, was a lot better than my first and second. And, um, the whole teams was, was a lot better. So, um, yeah, it was, it was good to see that pushback from the guys there in the third and, um, Obviously, he came up a little bit short, but um, it was good for the team to have that pushback um, going into tomorrow's game. 
generally, um, Gooley, uh, like Weber, talks about the team, doesn't like to talk about himself, mm-hmm. um, and uh, said, you know, I, I think it was key there. It's it's not uh, it's not about making mistakes because uh, that's hockey. It's about how you respond. Uh, to that and uh, thought that that uh, he responded pretty well in the third period as did uh, as did his team and um, his his um, his off ice demeanor um, is uh, is very mature and and Mm -hmm. you see a, a, a leader emerging there as well for sure we certainly do now, the one name that we haven't really discussed, which uh, would have been uh, obviously a, a top name to be watching this week, is Jesse Yalonen. Uh, it did come out uh, not too long into rookie camp that due to the fact that uh, for whatever reason, uh, we're not sure what the reasoning is yet, um, but Yessi Alonen has uh, elected not to get, uh, not to receive a COVID-19 vaccine. And as such, he had to go through a quarantine protocol upon arriving in Montreal. And so he was not eligible to play uh, for or, or skate for the first couple of days. And then because of that quarantine period, um, needed a few more days after that to get uh, back up to to his proper physical conditioning in order to participate uh, in in activities. Now, um, asked J.F. Uhl about this um, in terms of what this means for Yolonen going forward in terms of uh, particularly uh, his play in the AHL and and how that would affect his uh, perhaps getting making a roster spot or getting called up to the Canadians. And this is how the coach responded. Yeah, no, it's a it's a personal decision, uh, so we, we don't get involved in the in their decision. Um, you know, we will follow all the protocols that that, that need to, to be followed, and uh, the management uh, is going to probably meet with our uh, coaching staff and then figure out a plan. And that's that's how uh, that's we're going to go from there. Yes, he alone, and I assume, is making the decision that's best for him. Um, and uh, we had talked about on the Canadians Connection on Saturday's uh, edition, you and I, episode 155. Please uh, take a listen uh, to that. If you've missed it, we talked about the, uh, the, 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 the contenders, the, the three main uh, contenders, uh, those being Gooley, Norlander, and Yessi Alonen. Yessi Alonen is probably, um, you know, would be the, the most comfortable in the NHL. Is, is, uh, he has had exposure and, uh, and a couple of NHL games under his belt already. Um, and, uh, but, but with all of them, they were all going to be, uh, uh, a long shot uh, to make the Canadians roster, probably even more so now for Jesse Alonen, given his decision. Uh, we wondered why he wasn't, uh, there was there was very little explanation until uh, you asked J.F. Uh, Hul uh, about it. Um, and, uh, and, and we received that explanation. Now, we also should say that uh, in the last rookie uh, a tune-up game, uh, the game uh, on Tuesday afternoon against uh, U Sports. Yassi Alonen is in the lineup. He's on the first line. Uh, he's uh, uh, Jan Mishak. Jan Mishak uh, has been centering that first line with uh, Raphael Harvey-Penard 
and uh, Joshua was bumped down to the second line to make room for Yassi Alonen, who will play to, uh, this afternoon. Excellent. And uh, we certainly hope that it's it's the beginning of a, a more stable camp for him. We will, we, we as we said, we don't know yet what the plan is going to be. Uh, in French, uh, J.F. Ull mentioned that, that Bergevin would be would be in on, on those plans as well. So we'll have to wait to see what happens. Uh, we're actually going to talk about this a little more depth in the next segment when Patrick Williams joins us for the AHL Hot Stove, because this is one of those factors in how AHL lineups could or couldn't uh, look a little different this year, uh, this this factor is going to to play into that. So um, we're glad to see Yessi Alonen is on the ice for this game today. Uh, hopefully he has a has a, a good first uh, skate and first game out there with the group today uh, heading into training camp. Um, speaking of training camp, yeah. Um, in case there weren't enough um, players to consider, uh, the Canadians went out and signed uh, a new defenseman to a PTO this week, uh, Cody Golubev. If you recognize that name, it's because you heard it quite often, particularly last season, uh, whenever Laval played Belleville. That was uh, He spent uh, 31 games with Belleville last year. Uh, he's got over 300 AHL games uh, under his belt, uh, 31 year, years old. Um, does have about 160 NHL games uh, over the course of, of three or four different uh, NHL teams. But Rick, it's, you know, you you understand, okay, there's times when, when depth is needed. Um, but are the Canadians really in a position right now that another depth PTO on the defense is something that they need with the stock of, 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 free agent signings and so forth that they've signed in Laval over the summer and, and a pretty decently rounded uh, roster up top. Well, as you mentioned, he spent uh, the entirety of his season last season with uh, in the AHL with Belleville. I expect that's um, if, if the, the PTO works out that that's where he'll be, that they're, they're figuring that they need another veteran defenseman um i suppose uh in laval uh for the for the prospects um i i i don't see him you know and things unless things get really rough uh being called up to to the nhl but he does have nhl experience uh the the difficulty is going to be uh, especially at uh, with the Laval Rocket, that if he starts taking the place or taking time away from the prospects who need to be in uh, the, in in the lineup and in all kinds of situations uh, to get that experience. Uh, there's also we know all the signings, the multitude of signings uh, that uh, that the Rocket made and and that the Canadians made, uh, the two way contracts they made. Uh, the Canadians are going to be in a or the Laval Rocket are going to be in a rough position when it comes to dealing with the veteran rule mm-hmm. um, this uh, this season if they if they bring uh, Cody along. So. Um, we'll see how this is for now. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a professional tryout, but, uh, we'll, we'll probably talk in more depth when we see how the roster is going to, uh, pan out. And if, if they indeed offer, uh, some kind of contract, two-way contract or an AHL contract to, uh, Cody. 
Absolutely. And so that's right. Training camp is what is up next. Training camp starts for the Montreal Canadiens on Wednesday. Uh, their first preseason game, uh, they opened the NHL preseason schedule with a tilt against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday. Um, so be sure you're following at All Habs on Twitter bookmark allhabs.net rick and the all habs hockey magazine crew will have uh, all of the latest from the canadians training camp throughout the week um our ben dangu will be back on thursday with another uh youtube episode of the habs fan forum where he'll give his training camp predictions and and talk about kind of what who he thinks might uh who might be a dark horse in camp who might earn themselves a roster spot who he thinks is going to be the most exciting to watch Uh, so you'll want to look for that and uh, we are we're in it decisions start getting made uh, as of this week Uh, once training camp starts rick it's pretty exciting very exciting uh so be on the lookout for that what you want to do right now however is just uh don't go anywhere Grab a drink of water or your favorite beverage, whatever you have handy. Uh, After this quick message, we're going to be back with the AHL Hot Stove segment with Patrick Williams, where we're going to talk about some different scenarios of how maybe lineups in the AHL aren't going to be as uh, straightforward as we were hoping they would be. And yes, I am going to taste test Kraft Mac and Cheese flavored ice cream right here on the show. You really don't want to miss that, so don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Week two of football, it's in the books. And now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Now, listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head over to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any week three game to get $150 in free bets instantly. Now, if Sportsbook isn't yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And welcome back to the Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Once again, I am your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. Don't forget to follow uh, on Twitter at the AHL Report. And of course, you want to follow the podcast as well at the Press Zone. And uh, that way you 
will not miss anything, especially now that training camps are getting underway. It means the season is coming up, so we'll have game recaps. We'll have player profiles. We'll have feature articles. Will you name it? Press releases. You don't want to miss any of it, so be sure you're following at the AHL Report and at the Press Zone. Uh, and another one that you want to follow is at P. Williams AHL. That is the one and only Patrick Williams, our friend and colleague. Uh, he is back with Rick and I today for another edition of the AHL Hot Stove. Patrick, welcome. Uh, thanks. Nice to be back. Uh, season's fast approaching here. For sure. <laughs> it definitely is. And, uh, you know, it seems like every time that uh, the three of us get together for, for this segment, we keep saying, um, things aren't looking as normal as we thought they were going to. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it's kind of continuing. Um, you know, the last time that we met with you, we talked about the, the viability of the AHL season ahead. And this is this week's topic also almost out of necessity has kind of become a continuation or a shoot off of that in that we're looking at how AHL lineups um, might not necessarily operate uh, in a quote unquote normal fashion this year for a couple of reasons. And we're going to, I think the, 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 thing that we're going to start with is the thing that's really been making the big splash across social media today. And that's, um, the Columbus Blue Jackets coming out with the announcement that uh, due to his decision to not receive a COVID-19 vaccination, uh, Zach Ronaldo has been told he is not welcome at Blue Jackets training camp and that he is re- he is to report to the Cleveland Monsters in the AHL, um, causing uh, opinions, of course, uh, on social media aside of whether or not people should be vaccinated or not. Um, this is going... We're going to see this happen, uh, and it's talk about causing a kerfuffle right off the top. We've seen this happen for coaches, uh, even Columbus's uh, assistant coach, Sylvain Lefebvre, had to walk away from his job because he made the same decision. But it's a little different now when you're telling a player, okay, you're not welcome at training camp, and we're going to let you be the AHL team's problem to deal with. So, Patrick, what's your what's your first thoughts on on just this kind of scenario and and what you even do with this? Well, with the uh, very important, uh, I guess, uh, prerequisite that everybody, um, you know, has their choice to make uh, with regard to the vaccine or not getting the vaccine. Um, That being said, um, as a player, um, anything you can do, I think, to give yourself the best opportunity to make the club, the NHL club, or at least to put yourself in a good spot on the, on the overall depth chart um, is obviously every player's objective. And, and, and now with something like this, um, rightly or wrongly, um, that puts Zach Ronaldo at a disadvantage. Um, from a simple logistics standpoint, uh, when you're trying to, you know, if, if you're the Columbus Blue Jackets and you play road games in 31 cities in two different or two countries, um, there's a lot of logistical hurdles, uh, you know, moving players around. Uh, and now if you have an unvaccinated player, it's just one more um, hurdle that you have to deal with as a team. And sure, perhaps if it's Patrick Liney or someone of that caliber, um, that might be a different discussion, rightly or wrongly, again. But um, someone like Zach Ronaldo just doesn't have that kind of stature. 
And, um, you know, if, if you're, uh, let's say, inconvenience to the team kind of outweighs what your uh, perceived value might be. And I think you're going to find yourself in a really difficult spot as a player. And, um, you know, it's like anything else. If, if they can find somebody else who can fill that role and uh, can do it with maybe less logistical issues or, or fewer logistical issues, then um, they probably will choose that uh, path. And, and so a guy like Ronaldo is at a disadvantage right off the bat. And now we see him in Cleveland. And um, like you said, now it's uh, Cleveland's problem to handle. And, you know, if you're head coach Mike Eves out in Cleveland, um, you probably have to be already thinking to yourself, it's the first day of training camp and we're already dealing with a major headache. So um, I'm sure he's not feeling too great right now. But uh, um We'll see where this goes, but this is going to be a really interesting um, kind of uh, dynamic to watch. There, you know, apparently there's some other players around the league um, in similar situations, uh, and we'll, we'll just we'll see how much maybe the players' association gets involved, um, and to what extent, and uh, how how much they're willing to go out on a limb for players um, in this case. But uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting issue in the next couple of weeks as, as more of this uh, comes to light. And I think uh, I think you're right. The NHLPA has been pretty quiet on this, other than than being involved in preparing the the NHL protocols. But of course, we don't know what the AHL protocols are going to be uh, just yet. But but it's obviously something um, going to be something similar to what the NHL has because now, as you said, uh, the AHL team has has uh, has the problem that was divested by the NHL. Uh, Ronaldo, what is his value? Well, last year, uh, just four games played, and uh, the stat line was a, a one five-minute major. And um, so, so this this maybe is an easier it is a headache, uh, but the 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 real test is going to come when, uh, as we talked about before the show, when a. a a player with with more value to their NHL team uh, decides uh, that uh, in their mind they've weighed the risks and they've chosen not to and and you know again we we've said this on other shows uh, uh, there there are political uh, people getting political camps and very strong one side or the other and call people names one side or the other. That's not what we're here to do. Um, there are legitimate reasons. There are religious exceptions. There are uh, folks who do follow the science and uh, particularly with, you know, the, the, the teenage players and, and the, the research that's come out about uh, heart issues and the risks uh, related to the vaccine, they are making the decision that's best for them. And, and uh, you know that's that's there is an exception in in the the NHL rules for that. But as you said, it makes it really tough on the player. Um, and and in the Montreal Canadiens, uh, one of their their uh, prime prospects, Jesse Yelonen, played uh, a couple of games uh, in the NHL last year. Uh, is there a spot for him? Uh, right away to make the roster this this uh, for the opening night probably not but um, you know if he had a good camp uh, if there are injuries uh, he he would be uh, kind of the first call up but his decision not to get uh, vaccinated now is going to factor into all of that as well 
Well, and, and f- you know, you hate to say it, but it also, because social media can be uh, such a fun place to be, <laughs> um, and everyone does have an opinion, it's, a, I think, another unfortunate consequence for players who do choose this route is they're immediately going to get hounded by fans uh, across social media and, and in their fan bases um, for for being criticized. And, and, and will that criticism then flow over to people's opinions of the players on ice product and so forth? And so there's there's... As 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 you both said, you know, it's it puts the player in a in a difficult position, which means it's probably not an easy decision for the players to make. Um, the other factor in it, uh, particularly, you know, NHL aside, but for the AHL as well, um, you know, Patrick, you're talking a bit about uh, that it becomes a little bit of a logistical nightmare. Well, let, maybe maybe let's talk a little bit about exactly really what that means logistically. It's not so much as, oh, well, um, someone's unvaccinated, so we have to take extra precautions regarding masking and social distancing and whatnot. But it really comes down to um, how many games you're able to play on the road, right? Absolutely. Uh, Pretty much every team, uh, NHL or AHL, um, at one point or another has to cross the border in a season. And right now the border restrictions are extremely difficult. Um, I've heard from different people that, uh, you know, there's a 72 hour window for for having a test that you present at the border. Well, if it's 72 hours and five minutes, that test is not accepted. Uh, So that's just one example of, of the level of difficulty now and in, in trying to move people back and forth across the border. And you can imagine, you know, if it's that difficult, maybe for one or two people going over it now, imagine you're bringing a, a party of 25 players and, uh, you know, three or four coaches and a few more support staff. And um, you're trying to bring them on a bus or a plane over the border. You, you can imagine where that level of um, headache can go really fast. And you think of like the team services people that have to um, keep all that organized. And, uh, you know, it's difficult enough to move people back and forth over the border at times, even before the pandemic. And, you know, I've, I've heard different stories through the years of, uh, you know, teams kind of getting a hard time at the border and uh, players getting a hard time. Um, maybe your visa is not, you know, 100% uh, up to date or, or what have you. So there's just always something that can go wrong. And now that you have added this, and then on top of that, if you had a player that's not vaccinated, now obviously it depends on... Um, state of his citizenship is he canadian is he american is he somewhere in europe uh, whatever the case may be um, but each situation is going to be a little bit different uh, depending on where you're going and, and what your citizenship is so um it, it's a real headache i know for a lot of teams already even uh, before really the season has started uh, getting people over borders and um, following all the protocols to TV because, I mean, both governments, uh, U.S. and Canada, are, are very serious about this in terms of uh, um, what you can and cannot do uh, crossing the border. And remember, the border only kind of softened up uh, in, in early August, so we're still fairly early um in this whole new um, border crossing world that we live in now. And, um, you know, I, I don't imagine that um, a player being unvaccinated is, 
you know, if you're a team services uh, ma- manager or what have you, I'm sure you're, you're just um, maybe taking a little bit more, um, you know, Advil today uh, for the <laughs> headache that you have to deal, deal with because it's going to be a, um, it's going to be kind of a nightmare, I think, for some teams, depending on um, how many players uh, choose not to get vaccinated. And just to add a a quick point there, that softening of the border uh, only applies really in one direction because the U.S. announced they were extending their border restrictions to October 21st. Yeah. And so and and we were even talking before the show, you know, let's take Jesse Alonen, for example, Um, at at this point in time, unless things change uh, logistically, I don't even believe if that he would be able to even travel to any game south of the border because with Canadian regulations to get back into the country, if you are not a citizen of Canada and you are not vaccinated, you can't re-enter the, you can't enter the country um, without doing a, like a 10 day quarantine, which he just got done doing at the start of, of rookie camp. So that then, you know, when we talk about prospects and development, which is what the AHL is there for, it's a development league to get these players ready to play in the NHL. Um, you know, Rick, talk a little bit about what that does in in stunting, particularly young young prospects who are who are kind of on the rise and just getting started. What that potentially could do uh, in terms of of roadblocks in their development. For sure, and and uh, coaches like to. Uh, build chemistry at, at whatever level. And even though they know it's a development league, you, you see um, uh, coaches liking to build chemistry in their lineup. And, and uh, if that's interrupted, if Jesse Alonen is going to be, um, you know, obviously a top six player uh, at, you know, for the Laval Rocket, um, but he can't play any of the games south of the border. Uh, well, what happens when, um, you know, they go down for a, a, a bit of a road stand and, and there's chemistry amongst the other players and does he get bumped around or, or is, does he lose his connection with, with, uh, other players? Of course, it's going to, uh, it's going to affect his play. It's going to affect his development. It's going to affect the way, uh, maybe he's treated by the, the coaches or the way uh, the management looks at him, certainly in terms of a, of a recall sometime during the year. I think that's a great point and how the management might look at you. I mean, rightly or wrongly, uh, I think some managed uh, front office types will certainly look at a player um, like Yelonen or like a Ronaldo and ask themselves, you know, yeah, you know, Maybe I don't need this player. Maybe I can uh, move that player along somewhere else because it's really just not worth it. And like you said, uh, you know, like a guy like Yelonen, uh, you know, if he, he's only available in the lineup uh, on a part-time basis, yeah, I mean, you, th- this stage in his career and his development, uh, you, you can see where that's an issue. I mean, I think back to uh, uh, Evgeny Svechnikov in, in Grand Rapids a couple years ago, and he, he missed an entire season. Uh, he blew out his knee, um, major surgery. Um, it really set back his development. He ultimately ended up uh, uh, having you know, to move on this offseason and sign, sign uh, an AHL deal with Manitoba. And um, really once promising prospect, first-round pick. And, uh, you know, he missed a year, and it really just kind of threw his whole development curve off. And uh, now now you're looking at a player like Yulon, and, and 
he may find himself in a similar situation, except it's not a knee injury. This is a, um, you know, a situation, you know, very different from a traditional um, reason that would keep you out of a lineup. But uh, um, regardless, I mean, you know, there's a lot of hungry players in Laval and, and, and Trois-Rivières and uh, guys that will be more than happy to step in and take that spot uh, from him. If he's not available to play in the lineup, uh, they'll step forward and uh, – um, may push him out of a job. And so, you know, you're a young player and um, if you're not playing, you're not developing. And uh, so I think a player like him is in definitely in a precarious situation now, um, trying to figure, you know, the team trying to figure out uh, how, how do you manage this? And we said this so many times in the past, there's no playbook for, for a lot of this. Well, there's certainly no playbook now to handle a player who can't um, cross the border uh, and play games in both countries. Uh, so, it's going to be uh, kind of a real headache, I think, uh, for the the Habs, for the Laval Rocket, and um, you know, depending on how much, how many more players around the hockey world fit into this category, I mean, it's something you might see a lot of GMs having to deal with. Well, and that's the thing we've 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 already seen a lot of reports from NHL teams and general managers coming out, you know, in advance of rookie camps and training camps, saying, "Oh, you know, it's looking like a." Will be 100% vaccine compliant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the Flyers have have said that that they're uh, that by the start of the regular season that 100% of the NHL roster will will be vaccinated and so forth. I think that's the next uh, page in the in the chapter is that now focus was going to shift to those AHL teams across the American League now and how many you know. How many of those teams are really going to be able to say we've get we're at 100% compliance? And I think this is going to be uh, more of an issue for the AHL than perhaps uh, than we originally thought it would be for the NHL. Um, as if that wasn't enough to contend with. Rick, you mentioned uh, that uh, I believe over the weekend uh, that Frank Saravelli came out with a report that there's rumblings, nothing confirmed yet, nothing official out there, but there's rumblings amongst the G- some of the GMs that perhaps because of the volatility of COVID and because of um, how difficult things could be if there's an injury or if, if someone gets sick, that there's... Some are playing and toying with the idea of a taxi squad at the NHL level again, but just for goaltenders. I think the 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 general managers generally liked uh, didn't, weren't weren't too fond of of the taxi squad, but generally liked having um, uh, an extra goaltender. And rather than moving to um, you know expanding rosters and adding another uh, goaltending slot this would be the way of of dealing with that situation it was Frank Saravelli from um, uh, Daily Faceoff who was having a conversation with Bill Daly as part of the uh, NHL media tour I believe they met in in Chicago uh, and and Daly was saying that he projects that um, 98% of, of uh, all, all players in the league will be fully vaccinated but uh, then there was this this issue that 
um, saying that that the feedback that the NHL has received from uh, uh, NHL GMs, uh, they really uh, are concerned about having uh, another goaltender available. Um, particularly if if uh, if COVID is an issue, and we and we should acknowledge that that uh, you know the vaccine compliance doesn't necessarily mean immunity. That we've seen plenty of breakthrough cases, so this is still something that's that's on their mind. Um, and Daly said that that this is something that we're studying. This is something that we're going to look to address, um, and that the plan was to see uh, how the GMs feel. Let the training camp start. Uh, see what happens. See if there's injuries. See if there's illness, um, and uh, that they're going to be uh, rather nimble in 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 um, in responding to to this request. Uh, once training camps get going, that they may add a uh, taxi squad sp- spot for a third goaltender. Well, and we, we're seeing uh, Ottawa has reported that they've got six goaltenders at their training camp. The Rangers have seven. Seven, yeah. Um, the Flyers have five. Patrick, what, what you know, we, we know that AHL rosters were absolutely affected by the taxi squad scenario last season with most of most top top players in NHL lineups not being available because they were hanging out in the NHL taxi squad what do, what would something like this what kind of effect would this have on AHL teams if if a if a goaltender had to be set aside for the NHL team's taxi squad, well, you're at that point you're lopping off uh, pretty much um, 31 uh, of the top goalies in the league, and you know generally one across each team. Now some teams could be in a tough spot uh, if they didn't sign a veteran number three type. Uh, you know, so at that point, I'm not sure what you do. Yeah, what I find interesting is that there's still a number of goalies on the free agent market. Um, you know, I just I think of Zane McIntyre, who was with uh, Lehigh Valley last season. John Gillies, uh, I mean, once a really kind of a big time prospect. Uh, he was in Utica last year. Uh, Evan Cormier, Andrew D'Agostini, uh, Artem uh, Zagadulin. So there's some some real talent, uh, you know, still available. So that's where the whole thing for me it's it's a little strange because you would think if if you're if you know that this this rule is coming down the road, that you would want to get another goalie in the fold uh, as soon as possible, uh, just so that you know you're covered both at that taxi squad level and also at the American League level. So, um, so there's a little bit of a strange discrepancy there. I think the second issue is. I would be interested to kind of get a, a real truthful. Um, opinion from a lot of those goalies that would have to go to the taxi squad Uh, because a lot of them had to be in that role last year essentially you didn't play a full season and now you're going to kind of sit on the sidelines again uh you know for another season sure you're in the nhl and sure you're you're living that lifestyle and you're you're making the good money but it's not great for your long-term uh career um prospects if you really think about it i mean if you go two seasons without really playing any sort of meaningful game action, where does that leave you maybe next year when the taxi squad goes away and you don't have anything to show on your resume for the last two seasons? So, I mean, that would be one of the issues I would I would be kind of thinking about as, as a 
say a, a veteran type goalie where I, you know I have to look out also for my career and I have to think you know if I'm maybe looking to go to Europe in the future or if I'm looking to, to find another job somewhere else in the summer of 2022 uh, where does this leave me uh, so you know where does that leave your game I mean if you, if you don't play meaningful game action since March 2020 you can kind of see where that problem could arise you know in terms of your you're on ice ability at that point. So uh, you can practice all you want. We hear this all the time. Uh, players will say, you know, there's no comparison for game action. And uh, certainly that's true for goalies. Uh, so that that's one of the things that I find strange about this whole uh, proposed plan. And that's a really good point. And um, I think we've, we've heard from, from uh, goalies who still have ambitions Um who uh, talk about the lack of game action, but talk about how they 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 experienced the being the the uh, taxi squad goaltender, and it affected their psyche. Uh, the phrase was, "I didn't have a net." Uh, even in practice, there was the there was you know the 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 number one goaltender. There was the backup that each had a net in practice. I didn't have a net. I didn't have my own net, and that that affects them. Um, and, and there would have to, I think if this goes forward, that, uh, teams would have to give that, that consideration to how they can better integrate the, the taxi squad goaltender. I think that, uh, I think both of you are right on with that. You know, we know that there were some serious concerns from goaltenders and some frustrations that, you know, it's 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 hard enough to stay in game condition physically, but there's the the mental aspect of it as well. And if if any of those guys that were in that situation last year ended up being put in a position where an organization was asking them to repeat that again this year, that's a really tall ask, I think, um, to to be asking a goaltender to give up to. Like Patrick and, and and you, Rick, were both saying, give up that playing time, but also put yourself through the mental and physical challenge of of being a taxi squad goaltender. Um, it's it's as as Rick, you said, you know, certainly GMs or or coaches and whatnot uh, maybe liked the convenience of having a third goaltender around, and maybe that makes sense. Um, for the NHL and the NHLPA to look at uh, it going down the road. But is a taxi squad really the way to do it? I don't know. Um, I don't know that that's best for the players involved. Um, I think we can definitively say, though, however, that um, as much as, as the season is hopefully, fingers crossed, going to get kicked off in a normal fashion, I think there's still a lot of things that are up in the air regarding a lot of things, much less the lineups as we've been talking today. Patrick, is 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 it's still kind of all quiet on the AHL front? Not a lot of movement yet that excuse me, yet there in terms of, of making uh announcements in advance of the season and and things of that nature? Very quiet. Um, you know, it's almost like kind of everybody's waiting for somebody else to make the first move. Um, and that really applies whether you're talking about uh, announcing protocols for, for fan attendance or, um, you know, certainly in terms of, 
there's still some free agents out there. I mean, I, I'm surprised when I look at some of the players still out there. Joe Blandese, um, Cam Schilling, uh, Nate Prosser, uh, some, some real established players at this level. There's a little bit of a flurry of activity the past week. Uh, getting some of those players um, at least to camps on, uh, on, on PTOs. But, um, yeah, uh, this is always a little bit of a strange time of the year for the AHL because um, – it's one of those leagues where you can't really plan until the last minute anyway, mm-hmm. uh, just because so much of it is out of your hands. And um, and that's even more so this year uh, because, um, you know, like, you know, with this third goalie uh, situation, you can't even really completely plan what your goaltending pitcher is going to look like at the American League level. You know, if you're if you're a head coach of a team and you, I mean, obviously you can imagine uh, where that you know where that could be a headache but um yeah we're in this kind of this strange um holding pattern now we've been in kind of that 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 holding pattern really you know for the better part of six plus weeks at this point and i think what happened uh, with a lot of that was things were cruising along um relatively well in the hockey world i think up until about mid to late july when uh, there was that real spike of cases again in the states and i think that kind of scared everybody and it made everybody a little bit skittish and it happened to happen right at the start of free agency so if you were a player that certainly wasn't very good timing uh but but really just you know not even just the the roster moves it was just kind of right across the entire industry it really i think Put a little bit of a damper on things, and I think gave people uh, seconds pause. And you know, everybody's already a little skittish, uh, you know, after you know the last eighteen months, and now you know to sort of see uh, this fourth wave emerging, I think, has uh, kind of just been a, a situation of here we go again. And, um, you know, nobody really wanting to commit too much, uh, you know, too early, really to any course of action, whether you're talking about on or off the ice. Well, we appreciate that you have uh, the ultimate finger on the pulse of everything happening in the American League. And so uh, very excited that you'll be joining us, of course, every other week here on the Press Zone uh, for the AHL Hot Stove. And, And the three of us can really take a deep dive on the trending topics around the AHL that are affecting the league and that, and that fans want to know about. Um, and you'll be, uh, we'll, we'll be starting to see some written words from you coming up soon at the AHL report. Isn't that right? Yes. Uh, starting next week, uh, I'll be doing <laughs> a, uh, every other week, uh, column and kind of a, a little bit of a free flowing. Um, here's what I'm hearing. Here's, uh, uh, what people are telling me here's uh, kind of what's on my mind, you know, around the league, uh, you know, different uh, kind of just uh, issues and kind of a little bit more of a uh, loose read. And I'm really excited to have that opportunity uh, to try that and uh, put some of that stuff out there to the public. I think it's going to be a, a tremendous read uh, starting next Wednesday. Patrick's column will come out every other Wednesday. It's going to it's going to be called Under Review. Uh, and uh, you can check that out on ahlreport.com next Wednesday for his debut article. We're very much looking forward to it. It's, it's going to be a must-read for me, and, <laughs> and it should be for all of our listeners as well. Absolutely. Well, Patrick, uh, thanks so much for joining us again today. Uh, we will uh, we'll keep an eye on how all this unfolds, and uh, we appreciate your insight as always. 
thank you as always uh you know and stay tuned i think we're in for even more of a bumpy ride than we've already been in for uh you know for for the better part now of a year and a half if there's one thing for certain, Rick, I think I, it seems to be the common theme that we've been saying uh, for a long time now, and, and Patrick's been saying it w- right along with us, is that uh, even though we want things to be normal this year, I, I don't know that it's going to be, and and each week that goes by, I think, is going to continue to bring us new surprises. Yeah, we want normal. We want normal for our everyday lives, and, and we certainly want it for hockey, and uh, but there there are going to be um, some twists and turns as we go through this season. So uh, once again, thank you to Patrick Williams for joining us for this bi-weekly AHL hot stove segment. Uh, you will be seeing some written words from Patrick coming very soon to the AHLReport.com pages. He's going to have his first feature article out coming soon, so be sure you're following along. Again, you can follow him at P. Williams AHL, and of course, follow the AHL Report at the AHL Report. And if you would like to also join uh, Patrick in joining the Rocket Sports Media team this season, Rick, it's not too late for people to reach out and, and apply. Join our team. Uh, there's a tab on uh, AHL.report, uh, AHLReport.com. There's also um, for our Canadians fans on uh, allhabs.net. Um, we're looking. We're looking for uh, uh, folks who have an interest in hockey, who uh, want a platform for their views, or um, we're also looking for those who are wanting to get into uh, uh, the sports uh, reporting business, journalism, communications. Uh, we can uh, help you out there as well. We certainly can. We'd love to hear from you. We've we've in, uh, we've welcomed four new faces to the Rocket Sports Media team uh, this fall already, and we'd love to add you to that roster as well. So reach out. Okay, it's time. What time is that? <laughs> I am staring down a dish of ice cream that looks unnatural. Now, why did Patrick <laughs> run out of the studio? <laughs> I don't, yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> Uh, so I first I have to say, um, okay, um, we mentioned this at the top of the show. Flyers, maybe this ought to be like the official Flyers ice cream because the they got the Kraft mac and cheese orange color bang on. Oh, really? I mean, this ice cream looks like basically they just froze some Kraft mac and cheese cheese. <laughs> um, it looked, I mean, it I don't know. It's it's got a very nice orange tone to it. Uh, so this is a Van Leeuwen brand is a is a gourmet French ice cream ice creamery. I think they they have shops around, but you can order online. And I I believe they were started out of New York. I don't know that for sure. But they they're they come out with these limited edition flavors. Um, I have to say the bourbon cherries jubilee delicious <laughs> now mike rashel and i were looking at that looking at the picture of it online and and uh yeah admiring it bourbon from afar yes bourbon cherries jubilee delicious so i have high hopes uh van lewin and Kraft teamed up for this limited edition Kraft mac and cheese flavored ice cream i don't like this is gonna be so i have my dish here mm-hmm. i think it's like Ice cream doesn't really have a scent, but if you if you had to smell it, like I think it smells like cheese, which is well, weird. Okay, I don't know. Oh, I'm so scared. Does Kraft Dinner smell like cheese? 
Okay. Well, I so uh, maybe it doesn't smell like cheese. It just smell. It smells like craft dinner. Okay. Which is, I, my brain is confused because I'm looking at ice cream. Oh yeah. Now okay. So now that I just kind of cut into it with my spoon a little bit. Yeah. My brain is looking at ice cream and it's smelling craft dinner. Okay. And it's very confused. So here we go. Okay. Pray for me all. Am I supposed to cover this part? Because I'm not, I'm, you know. I'm in Pennsylvania, so. Right. And this uh, apparently, as far as we know, is not available in Canada or to be shipped to Canada. Oh my God. That's actually good. What? Stop it. Shut up. This is actually good. It can't be. Holy crap. Van Leeuwen, how did you do this? Craft. We have to have one of them on. We have to have a spokesperson on the show. I, my brain is so confused. It's okay. So when you first take a bite. It's cold and sweet and a little bit salty. Kind of like when you have salted caramel ice cream. Okay. And it's not until after you swallow that the the KD taste comes in as the aftertaste. And then you, you it doesn't taste like cheese. It's just, you know, that aftertaste in your mouth when you're eating Kraft mac and cheese. So this is like when you have a little bit left over, you put it in the fridge and you're so hungry the next day, you don't have time to put it in the microwave. You just take a scoop out. Kind of. Well, and it's, it's buttery. Cold and, okay. And it's buttery. Kind of like you can taste the butter in butter pecan ice cream. So you can taste like the butter in the KD. Hmm. I'm actually sold. Like, that's hilarious. Now, if we have the spokespersons on... Um, you'll have to have, yeah, well, I, I doubt this is going to last till then, but no. ideally it would be, <laughs> it would be great to have, you know, a bowl of Katie, a bowl of this ice cream and you testing both at the same time. That would be a good idea. I, I'm too busy eating this right now. Sorry. Yeah. This is delicious. Sorry to bother you that we have a show here to, <laughs> to finish. Uh, sorry to interrupt your ice cream. Oh my eating. goodness. Okay. Well. If you are a fan who is listening in the U.S., um, go to the Van Loan website. See if you can see if you can either go to the, one of the shops. Or it's a, if you manage to get your hands on a pint of this, don't be afraid of it. I am pleasantly shocked and surprised. Uh, this is delicious. Um, it is the probably one of the weirdest things I've ever eaten, um, but it is delicious. So maybe this should be a new thing on this show. If you'd like, if you have weird snacks, <laughs> I will, I will eat them. I will try them on the show. So she promised. Uh, tell us now. I'm not talking gross snacks. It's not. Don't don't say. Well, you uh, chocolate covered crickets. No, n but if you've got weird snacks that you think I should try, bring it on. Let me know. Because uh, if I can, if I can say that Kraft mac and cheese dinner flavored ice cream is delicious then um that's a pretty high bar to set so. there was a lot of uh interest uh, from the twitterverse uh, certainly mm -hmm. our twitter friends uh mm -hmm. have been chiming in and asking when the test was going to happen and good luck with the test I and know. yeah all right well there you have it i love it i love it 
<laughs> and I love that this was a very fun episode. It was packed full of information. We had lots of great audio from our rookie camps. We had Patrick Williams on the show, and uh, I got to taste some pretty fun ice cream. So uh, if you love this show, be sure you hit the subscribe button. Tell your friends. Share this episode on social media. And Rick, uh, we're diving into training camps, so we'll have a great show for them again next week. For sure. Thanks so much for listening to The Press Zone right here on the AHL Report. And as always, have a great week. We'll see you again next Tuesday for another episode of The Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit AHLReport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects. 